Let's start reading um, in First um, Timothy chapter one uh, in just a second. Let me just say this: unimaginable by definition uh, means difficult or impossible to imagine or comprehend. It's difficult or impossible to imagine or comprehend. It's so difficult to wrap your head around that concept, that possibility. And tonight I'm going to talk about let's believe God for the unimaginable. Believe God for the unimaginable. Let me tell you where this came from. I was talking to um, uh, a buddy of mine. He's a senior pastor in the Bryan College Station area. And uh, he brought up Oral Roberts. I don't know if any of you uh, know that name. And he started talking about Oral, Oral, Oral Roberts. Um, he's one that started ORU, uh, one of the very first fully accredited Christian universities. Um, athletes that go to ORU are excited about the opportunity and to play in their sports program. Um, they are just phenomenal. They're strong. And we were talking about Oral Roberts and all the things that he did during his life. And he was telling me, and, and I was thinking, I was listening to what I, he was saying, but I was also thinking about something else at the very same time in parallel. He was talking about all the things that he had done. He started a university. He uh, had this healing ministry. He traveled around the country preaching at camps and conferences and tents and arenas and stadiums. Um, he, he started a hospital. Uh, he started all these things. He was just going down this list of all the things that this guy did. And it dawned on me, this guy is not like some crazy skilled leader so far beyond everybody else. That, that's not what the deal was. It's not that he was smarter than everybody. Um, when you ask the question, why, was, why did he do so much and other people haven't? Was it because he had more money? No, he didn't have more money. In fact, he came from very, very uh, meek beginnings, um, uh, very humble background. It wasn't that he was more skilled. It wasn't that he was talented. It wasn't that he had skills and attributes and characteristics that nobody else in his generation had. That What separated him from everybody else was he spent hours and hours and hours in prayer. That's right. And, and when you pray that way, you get different kinds of results. That's why I said before, when the disciples were hanging out with Jesus, they could have asked him about anything. How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? They, they didn't. They said, how do you pray? Because we see the results that come out of your prayer life. We're praying too, but you, you wow. And so he taught him how to pray. And, and even one time he challenged him on the length of prayer. He said, can you not pray one hour? Uh, now, these were seasoned Christians, so if, if you're new to prayer, don't beat yourself up if you can't pray for an hour. These guys were walking and talking, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Jesus. They should have been able to pray an hour after following him around for three years. Um, and so length, praying length at a certain point of your maturity matters. You know, if you're just starting to get used to prayer, like I was talking with somebody the other day, and uh, she was telling me how she's been doing this 14-day prayer intensive, and she was very pleased and excited, and I was excited for her because she had prayed four days in the last 10, and I was so excited for her. 
because I know uh, that maybe there's other people in our church that have prayed 10 days in the last 10, but for her, she's probably prayed four days in the last four years, and all of a sudden she prayed four days in the last 10. And so everybody's at different paces. Um, but but the, the, the reality is that Oral Roberts prayed with intensity and fervency and consistency. And with that came opportunities. With that came witty invention. With that came favor. With that came uh, ideas that were not on his radar. I mean, when he started uh, around 28 years old, there, there was no way that he knew, hey, I'm going to start a hospital, I'm going to build a university, and, and this is how I'm going to do it. There's no way he knew what he... He may have wanted to do it, but how he was going to... No way. It was unimaginable. And I'll tell you, in my own prayer time, ever since that conversation with him, I've been telling the Lord, Lord, I'm going to ask for things because there's certain needs that I'm looking right at that I need. I'm going to ask for things. The Bible says you have not because you... So I'm going to ask for things, which by the way, there's certain things you don't get unless you ask, so ask. That's right. That's why he said you have not because you ask not. It, there's certain things I'm going to ask for, but, but I told the Lord, Lord, I don't want you to just give me what I ask for. That's like going up to a sheik in the Middle East that has hundreds and thousands of pounds of gold coins and like, man, do I really need $1,000? I really, really, really need $1,000. It's ridiculous. You go up to Donald Trump, I'm like, oh my goodness, dude, can I borrow 10 bucks, please? Can I please borrow 10 bucks? It's like ridiculous. It's like, are you a moron? Do you understand how much money this guy has and you're sweating over 10 bucks? You should have asked for more. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm telling the Lord in my own prayer time, and I want you to adopt this. That's why I'm praying about this. God, I want you to give me what, what I can't even imagine to ask for. Right? Right? Absolutely. There's things that, that you have, there's ideas and concepts that you have that I don't even know are on the radar. Right? Think about the best things in your life. The best things in your life. If you were to make a list, go ahead, make a list. Make a list of, of, of the top three things. Come on, think about it. Go ahead, think about it. Top three things, best things in your life. Best things. Now, now turn to the person next to you. If you're sitting next to somebody, and, and, and just tell them what those things are. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the best two things, the best two things in your life. The best two things in your life. All right? Now, those of you that are going, you, baby, <laughs> get a room, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like this front row couple here is saying, you, baby. Are you, are you, are you in the doghouse, bro? Come on, be honest. Every day. <laughs> I live in the doghouse. I got pictures in the doghouse. <laughs> so those two things. How hard did you work on the details of those two things? 
How hard did you work on the details of those two things that are the best two things in your life, the details of it? Let me just tell you, I, without even knowing what those two things are, I'm betting you a dollar to a donut, those two things, God gave them to you. Yes. You don't have to be a, a prophet to be able to figure out that. The best two things in your life, they can't... You may have desired them, but God brought them to you. Now, if he brought them to you, can he not do more of that? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Is anyone interested in this? Yes. All right. There we go. This is why you come on Wednesday nights, folks. We got just a, a spiritual steroid shot. Here we go. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And, and, and let me say this. If, if you forget everything that I'm going to say tonight... Just remember the title, Unimaginable. Pray for the unimaginable. And, and what I'm going to talk about is four things. Unimaginable heart change, number one. Number two, unimaginable download. Unimaginable strength and unimaginable confidence. Those are the four things I'm going to talk about in this chapter. I thank Jesus Christ our Lord. This is verse 12, chapter 1. I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He's given me the strength to do it. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though, look at this, this is so huge. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief and unbelief. I was such a bad, evil person because I didn't believe in him. I didn't believe in him. I, didn't, I thought the whole thing was a hoax. Because I thought the whole thing was a hoax, I, I did some evil things. because I, I just didn't believe. God saw that I didn't believe. He had grace on me because he saw that I didn't believe. You see how awesome God is? We don't serve a God that looks at him like, dude, what is your deal, man? What is your deal? You are such a jerk. That's not how he thinks. He's like, man, I see the level of faith you have. I see you have hardly no faith at all. In fact, you have no faith, and I, I'm, my heart hurts for you. So he saves Paul. Before he was Paul, they called him Saul. He saves him because of that. Now watch this. His heart changes from a guy who persecutes and murders Christians to become the most passionate Christian that may have ever lived. Yes. That is an unimaginable heart change. An unimaginable. You cannot imagine that. Now, in the Bible, when this guy got saved, other Christians didn't believe it. They were like, no, I'm not, I'm not buying it. That's unimaginable. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. People had to come to his defense. A guy named Barnabas was like, no, 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 no. I actually snuck into a crowd. I listened to him preach. He's legit. Uh, there's two things about unimaginable heart change. Number one is having to do with favor. When, when you need a person to like you, when God wants to bless you, he always uses a person. Think about that. It comes through a person. That's why you got to be a, a, a nice person to people. If, if, if people don't like you, you you're really handcuffing God. He uses people to deliver blessings. And if people don't want to come to your house, that's a problem. 
That's a problem. He uses people to deliver blessings. So just think about people as pizza delivery guys. <laughs> if you got Rottweilers in the front yard, you're not getting any pizza. That was a stupid analogy, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> so here's the thing. When you need somebody to like you, first of all, you need to, to look in the mirror and make sure you're a likable person, but that's another sermon for another day. Write this scripture down. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. It says, The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. So if there's anybody in your life, just realize that God can change his heart, guide it, move it around any way he pleases. So rather than becoming a brown noser and kissing up to that guy and embarrassing yourself, pray to God that he'll change his heart. Amen. Change his heart. Now naturally you want to be nice to the guy, but you have one God. You have one God. That guy is not your God. You need him to like you. You want him to like you. He can have favor on you. Things can change. He can give you a promotion. He can hire you, etc., etc., etc. But he can change his heart. So anytime you need favor from a person, favor from a person, you pray that prayer because he can do the unimaginable with hearts. But then there's any time you're looking at a person who's just got a hard heart. Hard hearts. Um... There is a different scripture for you. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart. Have you ever met somebody that's like, dude, your whole heart is so bad, we can't even fix it. We just need to take it out and give you a brand new one. Are, are you with me? Just a brand new one. It's like, have you ever totaled a car before? You just call up the insurance company. The insurance company comes out and like, dude, we're not going to give you any money for this. We're just going to total it out. Go buy a new one. Like this car has, has lived its last day. Go get a new car. There's some people, and, and I'm going to just tell you now, I'm one of them. I tell the Lord all the time, look, I don't think my heart, you just need to give me a brand new one. Just, just give me a brand new one. Has anyone ever been there before? Well, well, if we pray that prayer on ourselves, we can pray that prayer for other people. Lord, Give them a new heart. Watch this. Let's finish it. And, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Man, this is the unimaginable. This is the unimaginable heart change that God can do. And if he can do it with Saul, he can do it with anybody else. Are you with me? You can do it with anybody else. And let's read another section of Scripture. Verse 14. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith. Everyone say, He filled me. And love that come from Christ Jesus. So, who filled him? Ah, see, for those of you that weren't reading along with me. All right, let's read it together. Oh, how generous our gracious Lord was. Our Lord was. He filled me. So who filled him? The Lord. That means that Jesus stands in heaven with a huge pitcher and fills people fills people with love. He fills people with faith. And further than that, in Titus 
chapter 3, verse 6. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Who poured out the Spirit? The Lord. Oh, see, you guys are on fire. <laughs> so can I have those three bottles right there, please? Thank you so much. So we just read three things that he pours out. He pours out love. He pours out faith. And he pours out his spirit. Omar, come here. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) He pours out those three things. And so if you're, if you're anything like I am, you, you have these certain seasons in life where you're like, Lord, I know I'm short on love. I, I know I am. I need you to pour it out into me. I need you to pour it out. And, and if you say, God, I'm having trouble believing in you. I'm doing this 14-day prayer intensive. I feel like you're not listening to me. I feel like I'm talking to the wall. I need some more faith. He, he pours it out. Where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. Jesus pours out love. Jesus pours out faith. Jesus pours out the Spirit. Jesus pours out love. Jesus pours out faith. Jesus pours out the Spirit. Jesus is unbelievable. What's even more than that is in another portion of Scripture, it says, ask me, those of you who want wisdom, and I will give it to you without repentance. He's got a whole bunch of bottles up there. It just just pours it out. Just pours it out. How does that work? Many of you have experienced him pouring out love on you. I have to use Isaiah for this one. This is really, really funny. Um, He's sitting here looking at me like, what's so funny? (laughs) Uh, I remember when, um, before his wife Jessica got pregnant, they had these two dogs. And they loved those dogs loved, like, they, the dogs slept in the bed. I'm a dog guy, so I'm not hating on anybody that loves dogs. Now, if you got cats in your bed, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> and I know I got to walk the fine line because there's a lot of cat people in this room. But if you were me, you wouldn't like cats either because I'm allergic to them. All right? So fair enough. I mean... Cats don't like people. That's why I don't understand why people like cats. (laughs) Cats don't like people. You think they like people. When you come in the door, when you come in the door, does your cat run up to you? (laughs) No, it just looks at it like, what are you doing here? (laughs) The thing I love about dogs, I know I'm like totally off on left field now, but welcome to Wednesday nights. But dogs, dogs love you more than your wife loves you. Dogs love you more than your mom and dad love you. It's true. Take your mom and your dad and your wife or your husband, lock them up in the trunk of your car with your dog. Unlock it, open up the trunk. Who's happy to see you? (laughs) Right? The dog. (laughs) There you go. Enough said about that. All right. What am I talking about, man? Oh, yeah. So Isaiah, Isaiah's telling me how much he loves his dogs. I love my dogs, man. I love my dogs. I love my dogs. And one of them was half pit. 
all right, half pit. I'm like, man, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. You love your dogs. And uh, I said, now, when Jessica gets pregnant, let's find out what happens to those dogs. He's like, look, man, I know I'm going to love my kid, my daughter, my son, whatever God gives me, but my dogs aren't going anywhere. I was like, all right, cool. Jessica gets pregnant. Isaiah is staying strong. He even built a little house for the dogs. He did. He built like a, this, this, like nails, hammer, paint. Did you paint the thing? Paint, stained it? He stained the little house. In the, in the house, where did the house stay? Inside the kitchen? In the living, in the living room. <laughs> Scoot the, the couch over, made this. Here, Jessica. Boop, 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 boop. Nine months, Isaiah's like me and my dogs, man, putting pictures on selfies with his dogs. <laughs> baby comes out. <laughs> Here comes Isaiah coming home with the baby. Get out the way. Get out of here. Get rid of it. Do you even have those dogs anymore? Oh, yeah. So he went from three to one. <laughs> the other one's sitting in the corner. <laughs> now, now, what happened? What happened there? Did, did he go from liking his dogs, loving his dogs, to hating his dogs? No, no, no. He didn't start hating his dogs. What happened was, is he got exposed to a level of love that he didn't know existed. And it was so much greater, it was so much more imaginable that in contrast to the love that he used to have, it was almost like darkness because this was so great. And so now he's like, man, I can't imagine, I can't imagine loving anything more than my son Judah. I can't even imagine. You love Judah more than you love yourself, right? Can't even imagine. Same thing with Jessica. Don't you love your son more than you love you? Can you imagine more love than that? And, but, but if they have a second kid, you know what's going to happen? They don't have to cut the love that they have with Judah in half because there's more. And so your capacity of love actually gets bigger. Right? So now Crystal has like three kids. So it's like, I've got three kids. You would think that we would keep on going, but there's not enough love in heaven for that. (laughs) At a certain point, it's like, uh, what do you call it? Um, Self-preservation. Diminishing returns. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> uh, unimaginable. Um, th- this, is, th- this is God pouring things down. This is an unimaginable download is what I was talking about. Uh, let, me, let me say this. I, I was reading this book called Surviving the Anointing. Such a great book by David Ravenhill. If you like to read, write that. Read that. that will, don't read this book unless you want to get messed up. Okay? This book will mess you up. Mess you up. Um, David Ravenhill wrote it, Surviving the Anointing. This is what he said. He goes, the anointing can be compared in a crude way to winning the lottery. One moment you're poor, barely making it from day to day. You live in a very simple home with few luxuries. Your car is in desperate need of repair. Your clothes are few and well-worn. And along with all of that, you have a mountain of debt. Suddenly, 
All of that changes when you are informed that you have become the grand prize winner of some contest you entered. You are now worth millions. Jesus continues by pointing out how many lotto winners lose everything. This is like winning the lottery to have this poured out. It's like winning the lottery. Your, your, your whole life changes. When I saw a picture of myself um, wearing my cap and gown from high school, and I was looking at me, and I was like, that little thug. Like, my whole life, I'm not even that guy anymore. I'm not even that guy. Um, let's go. Verse 18. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battle. Now I'm going to talk about unimaginable strength. Unimaginable strength. Three things about uh, the Lord's battles. Number one, and let me talk uh, a little bit about what I said last Sunday. They always start with your imaginations. Your imaginations. What scenes do you start building in your head? It is really hard to sin without having an imagination first. You think about it first. Have you ever yelled at somebody in your car, but they're not in your car? You yell at somebody while you're vacuuming? It's your imaginations. It's your imaginations. You ever, have you ever built a whole argument in your head? They're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then they're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then you get up there and you set it up and you put it out there, and then they something like, I didn't prepare for that. Are you with me? But that whole imagination process, that's all, the, all, all battles start with your imagination. So you got to pay attention to your imagination. The minute you start thinking of it, it's like, oh, here we come. It, I, you know, imaginations is, is not like the doorbell that a devil just came in the house. It's like a doorbell. The minute you start thinking about something sinful, something uh, discouraging, that's why the Bible says think only on these things. The minute you start thinking about something discouraging, something uh, self-deprecating, am I saying that word right? Uh, The the minute you start thinking about something negative, it's almost like the doorbell just rang and uh, the devil just came in. The minute you start thinking about ding dong, it's just boom, here he comes. The devil always rings the doorbell first. That is good. I just thought of it just now. I'm serious, I just thought of that just now. That, that, he, it, that he rings the doorbell. The thought comes to mind. The minute that thought comes to mind, you just know, he just rang the doorbell, he's coming in. Here he comes. If you start thinking about, you know, I'm not as pretty as I used to be, I'm not as strong as I used to be, I should be further along in life than I am now, um, you know, my, my little brother makes, you know, more money than me, or I'm the only one not married, I should be married. 
Ding dong. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. The enemy just came in. It always starts with imaginations. Number two is, here's the other thing that we got to remember about unimaginable strength. I'm going to get to it in a minute. But battles, it, every day there's a battle. Every day. I almost wish it was kind of like a work week where you get Saturdays and Sundays off. <laughs> right? Every day. How many of you recognize a battle? But it, I haven't even, I, I, thought, I, I thought about this the other day. I was thinking about the devil. I haven't even opened my eyes. I'm not even out of bed yet. And I'm already thinking about something crazy. Have you ever been there? Is stress, worry, concern, anxiety. That's all from hell. Ding dong. I might have even opened my eyes yet, man. Come on. <laughs> In high school, anytime people used to get into a fight, I know I talked about fighting last Sunday, but I'll talk about fighting again. Um, you, you, you're supposed to like push each other for a little while, and then you fight. Uh, well, there was this one guy. <laughs> he just got there was no pushing he just went bam and the guy was like oh man he didn't even push me first because <laughs> you're like you know you're supposed to push and you know flinch a little bit it just got bam He's like man you didn't even you didn't even push me i didn't know i didn't know we were about to fight yet I didn't, I didn't <laughs> See, in high school, you like push each other a little while, and then when you get old and you know that, look, I can only last like 10 seconds because I'm going to run out of energy. Like, you got to make that, you got the fight has to be over in like five seconds because you can't last longer than you got to squeeze something and break it. But, <laughs> but when you're a kid, you get like, <laughs> adults are like, man, I'm going to have to just go ahead and. <laughs> Uh, some of you think that's funny. Um, that's, I just got sweaty. Um, every day, every day, there's a fight. You never get a day off. You never get a day off. There's always, and, and it just comes right out of nowhere. That's how I started thinking about that shoving stuff. It, it's, it, you don't get a warning. It's just like, bam, every day, every day. The next thing I want to say is the strength. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, um, I told Allie, I was like, man, you know, when you think about the Christian walk with God, you, you got to stay strong depending on how old you are. You know, if you're 60 years old and you're going to live till you're 90, you got to stay spiritually strong for another 30 years. But if you're 20, you're going to live to your 90. You've got to stay spiritual strong for another 70 years. Goodness sakes. That can be intimidating. It's intimidating. As a senior pastor, the Bible says you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So if, if the pastor goes down, then it's like you just kind of hit jackpot because all the sheep get scattered all over the place. And so the intensity on a pastor is, is a little bit more intense because the, 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 the jackpot is a little bit bigger, if, so to speak. Um, and, I, you know, you think about it, oh, my goodness, <laughs> I got I to stay strong for how long? When are we going to retire? How old am I going to be when I retire? <laughs> um, because, wow, how, how are we, how am I, how are you going to stay spiritually dialed in for 40 more years? 
Seriously, how, how, how is any of us going to be able to do that? Well, the good news is, is that Zechariah 4, 6 says, It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Our strength does not come from going... It, it doesn't come by our strength. It comes by His Spirit. Unimaginable strength comes from God. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. We can't go to 24-hour fitness and pump up our spiritual muscles. Are you with me? Yeah. Last and not least, <clears throat> the very last one, and Isaiah, you can come on up now. Unimaginable confidence Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Their faith has been shipwrecked. Watch the progression here. They have a conscience. Every time they do something wrong, their conscience lets them know that they did something wrong, that they said something wrong. Because they deliberately violate and ignore their conscience, their conscience now becomes seared. That means it doesn't work anymore. So now you don't have a conscience. And then when that happens, your faith gets shipwrecked. In other words, you don't believe in God anymore. You don't believe in it anymore. And all that started back with your conscience. See, your conscience is a gift from God. Your conscience is a gift. Anytime you feel bad, that's, God, that's a gift from God. To have a, a conscience is a gift from God. But when you ignore your conscience, your conscience gets seared. It, it's kind of like, you know, um, the first time you watched a rated R movie or the first time you cursed or the first time you did this or the first time you did that the first time you did this first time you did that and now where, where are you at with that where am I at with that is there, is there a part of our hearts that's been seared is there a part of our hearts that's been hardened I, w- I would go so far as to say that there's certain parts of our walk with God that the faith level is low because there's an area of our heart that's been seared and the more seared the lower the faith the less seared the higher the faith so we've really got to just ask ourselves are there things that we no longer feel bad about Let God give us a new heart, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. You watch your faith go back up. 